The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, good morning, New Song Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good to see you. And let me just say happy birthday, New Song Church. We are four years old today. Yes, come on, give New Song a hand. My dad said it last week, we are a toddler now as a church, so that's pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was, I was thinking about uh, four years ago today, what that looked like for us when I was coming to the church. I remember during the first song, well, the, the building we were in was a school at that time, and so during the first song, our lobby, if you were here, how many of you were here that first Sunday? Okay, so you remember, it was like 500 yards from the lobby to the auditorium at that time. And so the first song starts, and I'm looking around the room, and there's like five people in the room. And I'm thinking, oh boy, we've been working for nine months, and five people are coming. And I just decide, okay, I'm just going to close my eyes, and I'm going to worship God and just believe for the best. And uh, when I got up to speak that morning, the place was full. We had over 200 people at our, at our first service. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, uh, and we quickly drove away half of them. We had 100 after that. <laughs> A lot of people came from Tulsa that knew us and things like that. So the church ended up, we kind of leveled out at about 100. And then the church has just continued to grow and grow and grow, doubling every year. And uh, it's just amazing what God has done. And we're so grateful for you. And today, on behalf of our team, on behalf of my wife, Sarah, and myself, just want to say thank you for all that you've done. This church is, is, is possible because of so many of you. And uh, we're grateful for you, whether this is today, if this is your first Sunday, we're so happy you're here. This is your 408th Sunday. We're glad you're still here. And we believe that our best days are our next days. Amen? Amen. And let me just say this. If you are new to the church today, we just want to say we're so happy that you came. And uh, we consider this church to be a family. And we would love for you to be a part of this family. We're not a closed family. We are an open family. And we would love for you to join in with this family and, and my, my kind of encouragement and challenge to you is just give us four weeks. Just give us four weeks and just see what God does in your life when you get planted in this house. I, I believe that some incredible things can take place if you'll do that. So just stay with us for a little bit. And I, I think you're going to see, God, I, here's the thing. I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And I believe in the body of Christ. And I've seen what can happen in someone's life if they will get planted, like the Bible says, rooted and grounded in, in, in the body of Christ, you're going to flourish. So just give us a shot at that and see what God does in your life, all right? Uh, on, on another note, I've got some news for you this morning. How many of you ready for some news? <laughs> Excited about a little news, all right. So let me say this first of all, which I guess is kind of a moot point because we do have people watching live right now. And let's say hi to everybody watching us online. We're so glad to have you with us today. But if you would kind of hold off on the social media stuff for now, because we want to make sure everybody can hear this as, you know, as live as possible. Um, Many of you know, we've been a mobile church for the first four years of our existence. Jake, I know you know it, right? Jake is the leader of our setup and teardown team. We love Jake. And every week, his team, which if you're on that team, put your hand up real quick. If you're on Set Up a Terror, look at all these guys. Yes, thank you. Church, come on. Yes, thank you. Because listen, there ain't no church if these guys aren't getting here early doing the heavy lifting and sweating and doing the stuff 
that, uh, that doesn't get the applause all the time. So we applaud you. Thank you for what you've done. But, but one of the things we've recognized is as a church, if we're going to do what God's called us to do, we, we need a home. We need a permanent home. And there, there are ministries that we want to launch and things like that that we just can't do when we only have a building one day a week. And so we've been on this journey for a couple of years now of looking for a building. And it's been pretty incredible, all the doors that have closed in our face in the past couple of years. <laughs> I mean, you know, the devil resists us, right? Yep. And we've seen it. We, I can think of a couple of buildings that we really liked, that we were interested in. These buildings had sat empty for years. And the week we went to look at them, we called on them. They told us that the week before they had a contract on them. You're just going, okay, what? And, uh, and then there's been other buildings that we really liked that, you know, for whatever reason, be it lease terms, be it parking lot, whatever, we just have seen a lot of Doors close in our face, and I'm okay with that. I believe a closed door can be a blessing from God, amen? But um, at the beginning of this year, right after the fast, we really started getting serious about the idea of building a church and finding some land and purchasing some land to build on. And, and I'm excited to announce today that we are nearing the end of negotiations and signing on 30 acres of land about seven minutes from this building. And guys, I'm telling you, it really is an incredible piece of property that God has presented to us. Um, it, it, in fact, we brought the architects out just a couple weeks ago to look at it and some different people, and they were looking at this land, and they, they know what's getting ready to happen in the city and, and the growth that's getting ready to take place and the highways that are being built and the future plans of the, of the city. And they were just saying, guys, you got the steal of a lifetime was their words. So it, it's going to be an amazing piece of property that's going to help us to reach both the Deer Creek and Edmond areas very well. Uh, and and I'm, I'll tell you more about that in the days to come. I can't give you all the details on it yet, but we're very excited. 30 acres, we can really build an incredible, incredible site plan for our church that enables us to do what we really believe God's called us to do. It's going to be awesome. Now, I know what you might be thinking. That's great. <laughs> But uh, it takes a while to build a building, right? Like it takes, you know, if we, if we broke ground tomorrow, it's typically about a 18-month to two-year deal. And you're going, okay, look around. There's not a whole lot of room in this place. And I would agree with you on that. So uh, in the meantime, we're in the process of entering into a two-year lease with a building that's about 10 minutes away from here that is twice the size of Noah's Event Center. And so this is going to be a game changer. Set up and tear down will be no more, Jake. And, and it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. Now, a couple, if you've you got a pen, a piece of paper, or a phone, take, take a couple notes down for me. There's a couple of dates that are very important moving, moving ahead. Uh, November 5th, we're going to be meeting with the city of Edmond to, to get assembly per, permission to assemble in this building. And uh, everybody's told us it's, it looks really good. We're about 95% in, but we do have to meet with them. And then there will be, they will be voting on allowing us to do that on November 25th. So we want the church to be praying with us that all that goes well. 95% is good, but how many of you know the enemy can work with 5% sometimes, right? So we want to pray and believe in faith that nothing is going to keep us 
from what God has for us. But I'm telling you, this building is gonna be a game changer for us because it will be ours. And it will be something we have 24 hours a day. No more set up and tear down. Some of the ministries that we want to do, we'll be able to do. We can have next steps class at our building. We can have equip classes at our building. Uh, We'll be able to launch a young adults service that we're excited about. That'll be launching on Thursday nights once we get into this new building. We're gonna be able to, to, to have bigger classrooms for our kids that are built for our kids, that are made exactly for them. And even, even creating some new classrooms, like we can divide up our nursery into the crawlers and, and the, the little infants, you know, because that's important. You don't want the crawlers tromping all over the infants, all right? Just so you know, moms, we're, we're looking out for you today, okay? If you're here today and you just brought your baby and you're going, oh, dear God, no, we're good. We got it. We watch out for that. But this will give us the ability to kind of put those kids in exactly where they need to be. Um, we're also going to launch a fifth and sixth grade ministry in this, in this building. For our fifth and sixth graders, Mix 56, we're going to be launching that. We're really pumped about that to kind of help those kids as they get ready to move into junior high and into this body, into this room. Because that seventh grade, they're in here. So um, there's a lot of really cool things that we're going to be able to do with that building, that lease building that we're pumped about. Now, a couple things we want you to keep in mind as we move ahead. Um, the lease building, we're, here's how we're treating it. It's kind of like if you're building a house and you get an apartment in the meantime. That's kind of how we're treating the lease building. We want to make it nice. We want it to be excellent. We want it to look good. But we're not going to pour tons of money into this building because we want to put that money into our land, into the site plan for our land, because that's going to be our our big footprint where we want to plant the church. So it's going to look good. Trust me. You're going to want to invite your your friends there. It's not going to be ghetto, okay, or hood. It'll be nice. But it's not going to be our dream building. That's coming down the road. Um, but here's even more pieces of good news, okay? Because of your faithfulness and generosity, that building, we're going to have to go in, we're going to have to retrofit it. It's going to cost us over $100,000. Almost all of that money is going to be paid for out of our savings account above and beyond our normal expenditures. That's amazing, guys. Just so you know, not a lot of churches that are four years old can do stuff like that. But God has been good to us, and you have been generous. And I thank you for that. And uh, we will be asking you to give towards these campaigns in the future. But right now, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know more about that in the future. Okay, so, so be praying over those dates, November 5th, November 25th. And here's the verse that we're standing on through this process. Guys, throw that up there. Psalms 52, verse, or Psalms 5, verse 12. It says this, Surely, Lord... You bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. We're believing that the favor of God is going to surround us, is going to protect us, is going to lead us, that nothing can be kept from us, stolen from us, that what is ours we will possess. We will possess the promise. Amen? Amen. We'll see the goodness of the Lord once more and many times more in the days ahead. So turn to the person beside you and say, our best days are our next days. All right, if you have your Bible, turn me to Matthew chapter 9. Does that do okay, babe? It's a lot of information. You sure? Okay. Matthew chapter 9. We're beginning a brand new series today called Jesus in the Flesh. And what we're going to be doing in this series is we're going to be looking at Jesus and, and hopefully helping you to fully come to know Jesus. 
Now, the vision of this church, if you've been in New Song Church for a while, you know the vision of this house is we want to help people know God. When we talk about knowing God, we're not talking about getting information. We're talking about actually stepping into a real relationship with God. That Jesus died on the cross, not so that you could have a religion, but so you could come to know him and have a relationship with him where he's leading you and guiding you and, and talking to you and speaking to you. And, and it's a real thing. Just like you have a relationship with any person, you can have a relationship with God. And, and so Jesus is God. He was God in the flesh. And, and so sometimes understanding who Jesus fully was is gonna help you to understand God. But also, there's two aspects of God. Jesus, when he came to this earth, he was fully God, but he was also fully human. He took on flesh and became a human. And when he died on the cross, he died as both God, fully God and fully man. And when he rose from the grave, listen, he was fully God and fully man. And that means that Jesus sits at the right hand of God right now, fully God and fully man. There is a man sitting beside God in heaven right now, which speaks to the idea that the Bible speaks of, which is that we can be seated above the things of this earth in heavenly places because a man sits there. God, we can sit there through the authority we have through Jesus Christ. So, so Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now, understanding that helps us to relate to God. But it also helps us to understand that Jesus relates to us today. Jesus relates to you wherever you find yourself today. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, Jesus knows what you're going through. He's been there, done that, and he loves you and wants to help you. Look at this with me. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says this. This is why he, Jesus, had to be a man and take hold of our humanity in every way. Somebody say every way. He took on humanity in every way. He, he made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful and faithful king priest before God. As the one who removed our sins to make us one with him, check this out, he suffered and endured every test and temptation. Every test and temptation that you've ever faced in your life, Jesus experience that. He's experienced the rejection you've experienced, the pain you've experienced, the sickness you've experienced. Jesus can relate to you wherever you are. He took on humanity and experienced everything you've ever experienced. Why would he do this? Look at what it goes on to say. So that he can help us every time. How many times? Every time. Every time we pass through the ordeals of life. Jesus wants to help you. Anybody ever face an ordeal in life? Jesus wants to help you and, and save you from the ordeals. And he can relate to you in the middle of whatever it is that you're facing. No matter what you're facing today, Jesus can relate with you in that situation. And he wants to relate with you. And he wants to help you in that situation. So our goal in this series is to kind of wake you up to this idea that, that God is not some distant kind of robotic, ghost-like deity that's miles from us in some other realm. But that, that God is Jesus. And that Jesus is, is one who came to this earth, who took on flesh and who lived and who, who laughed and who loved and who experienced many of the things you experienced. And he lives today and wants to help you with whatever you're facing today. And so today what I want to talk about is one of the aspects of the humanity of Jesus that I think sometimes we don't fully really come to understand. And that is the compassion of Jesus. If you're taking notes this morning, I'm calling this message, Man of Compassion. Man of Compassion. God is a God of compassion, and Jesus is God, and he is moved with compassion for you and whatever it is that you're dealing with. Look at this with me. I told you Matthew 9. Let's read this together. Matthew 9, verse 36 says, when he, talking about Jesus, saw the crowds, 
He was moved with compassion. Somebody say compassion. compassion. He was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So this verse tells us that Jesus sees these people. And when he sees them, he's moved with compassion because they're, they're being harassed and they're helpless as, as somebody without a shepherd. Now, when he's looking at them, it's not talking about what he physically saw with his physical eyes. He wasn't seeing them in that moment being harassed and feeling helpless. He was looking beyond that. He was looking and seeing a different realm. And I believe this. I believe what Jesus saw was not just that crowd of people, but I believe he saw humanity. I believe that in that moment, he saw you. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Here's what that means. He was moved to get up in the middle of your mess. That's what compassion does. Compassion it moves to do something about the problem. That's what Jesus came to do. A few years ago, I was at a, uh, a playground in Dallas, Texas when I lived there with my son. And we we're at this little playground. And he's about four years old at the time. There's this big wooden playground. And on it, there was this like four, three-inch, four-inch beam that was about six inches off the ground. And, and you walk across it. It's kind of a little balance beam. And my son Gus is four. And if you know anything about a four-year-old, like balance is not the strength of a four-year-old. They're, they're like 30% head at that point of their life. So like he's, ha he's struggling with getting across this beam. And he would try to walk across it and he'd fall off and he'd go back to the beginning. And as his father, who loves him, I'm watching him and I'm seeing him get more and more frustrated as he tries to do this. And so finally, I was moved with compassion and I got up off my bench and I walked over to where he was and I reached out my hand to him and I grabbed his hand and I began to lead him across that narrow beam. And something interesting happened as I gave him my hand, something happened with him where all of a sudden now he's drawing strength and direction and balance from me. And what was once difficult for him now all of a sudden becomes super easy to the point that like he's running across that beam. He gains confidence for me. Why? Because I was moved with compassion to get in the middle of his mess. It totally changed what he was trying to do. And I want you to know something this morning, church. Jesus was moved with compassion for you. And he sees you today and what you're dealing with. He sees you trying to walk what the Bible calls this narrow road. And he sees the struggles that you face in that. And he was moved with compassion. And today, he reaches out his hand to you, wherever you are. And if you'll simply grab a hold of his hand, all of a sudden, you're going you're to find strength and balance and direction and confidence to run this race on this narrow road to win. Can I get an amen? The hand of compassion is there if we'll just reach out and take it. Jesus offers you compassion. Jesus does not offer you pity. See, there's a big difference between compassion and pity. Now, I grew up in the 80s. Any children of the 80s in here this morning? A few of you this morning? And if you grew up in the 80s like me, you probably remember a character named Mr. T. Anybody remember Mr. T? I love Mr. T. Mr. T had a mohawk. He had these gold necklaces. And he was like an icon of the 80s. Like the guy did everything. He had his own breakfast cereal. You know, he had, uh, he had a cartoon on, on Saturday mornings. He was, on, he was in the movie Rocky III, Clubber Lang. He was, he was in the A-Team, that show. Uh, he, was, he was the man. He was a WWF wrestler for a while. Like he did it all. And, and he had a saying. Some of you might remember this saying. He would say, I pity the fool. I pity the fool. You guys remember that? Pretty good Mr. T, right? 
there's a, there's a, we have actually a picture. I, had, I think it was like my fourth birthday. I had a Mr. T cake. Like I was that into Mr. T. So uh, Mr. T, pity the fool. Now here's the thing. Pity the fool. Here's, here's what Mr. T was saying in that. He was like, hey, you're dumb. Good luck with that. That's what pity the fool means. It means like you're, you're stupid. You don't know what you're doing. It doesn't, he didn't say, I, I am moved with compassion for those who lack knowledge. That's not what... That's not what Mr. T said. He said, I pity the fool. You're stupid. Good luck with that. See you later. That's what, that's what he meant. How many of you are grateful that Jesus didn't look at the crowds and think, man, I pity these fools. He didn't do that. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved to get in the middle of the mess. That's what compassion does. In fact, here's, here's what pity means. Pity is looking down on someone, feeling sorry for them, but offering nothing. Compassion is this. Compassion is to recognize the suffering of others than to take action to help. Pity just feels sorry for somebody. Compassion does something about it, and that's what Jesus did for you. He got in the middle of your mess. Jesus ain't Mr. T. There's your quote for the day. <laughs> he didn't look at you and say, you're dumb. Good luck with that. No, he's moved with compassion. He is moved to get in the middle of your mess, to take on your mess so that you could be free from your mess. And so as I was kind of preparing for this message this week, I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to, to get into the Gospels and to really dig into them and look at all the times it talks about Jesus and, and the compassion that he had and the parables and the verses that speak to that. And as I did that, I, I found five different groups of people that Jesus had compassion on. And I believe that within these five groups of people, you can find yourself today. Some of you may find yourself in multiple groups. Some of you may be all five. Some of you may be three of the five. Some of you may be one of the five. I don't, I don't know where you are today, but I believe that we can all find ourselves within one of these groups of people. And that means that we can find the compassion of Jesus for us and whatever it is that we're dealing with. So let's dig into this. Here's number one. Jesus was and is moved with compassion for the outcast. The outcast. Mark chapter one, this man comes to Jesus and he has leprosy. He's a leper. And if you know anything about leprosy, like it was a miserable life. It was basically a death sentence to have leprosy. And this guy's living on the outskirts of town, living among the lepers. And he comes to Jesus and it says that he implores of Jesus. In other words, he's begging Jesus to heal him. Now here's the problem. He has no business in that culture coming to Jesus. He's not supposed to be around people who don't have leprosy. He lives in, 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 people who had leprosy had to live outside of, the, outside of the town. They had to live in these colonies with other lepers just waiting to die. They're basically alive because they haven't died yet is how it was. And it was illegal for them to go amongst the people. And yet here's this guy coming to Jesus in faith. Look at what it says, verse 40. He says to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, if you are willing, I think you can make me clean. He didn't say that. He had faith. And, and, and just a little sidebar here. If you're going to get anything from God, you need to understand it's going to take some faith. You're going to have to believe that God can do what you want him to do. This guy, he knew Jesus could do it. What he didn't understand was, was Jesus willing? But look at what it says in verse 41. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Everybody say compassion stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. I want you to know this morning, maybe you find yourself this morning feeling like a little bit of an outcast. 
feeling like an outsider, feeling like maybe there's some stuff that's happened in your life, circumstances that have happened, maybe through relationships or whatever, and you look at yourself sometimes and you feel like nobody can relate to me. Nobody knows what I'm dealing with. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody suffered the way I'm suffering. And you feel like everybody else is in this different group and they're all insiders and you're an outsider. I want you to know Jesus can relate to you today. He's experienced what you've experienced and he was moved with compassion to reach you where you are. And not just that, he wants to heal you and bring you from that place as an outsider to the inside and do such a great work in your life that all of a sudden you move from being an outsider looking in to an insider who's looking out to bring outsiders in. That's what Jesus wants to do. And I want you to know this morning, if you feel like that, if you feel like the outsider, the hand of compassion, the hand of Jesus reaches out to you today. And if you'll grab a hold of that hand, he'll bring strength and balance and direction and confidence to you. You don't have to be an outsider. Jesus was moved with compassion for the outsiders. Here's number two. Jesus was and is moved with compassion for the broken. The broken. In Luke chapter 10, there's a story. Jesus tells this parable about this guy called the, the Good Samaritan. And in this story, there's this dude who's walking down the street and he gets attacked on this road and, and these people attack him and they beat him within an inch of his life. They take everything he has and they leave him in the ditch almost dead. And the Bible says that, that a priest walks by, a Levite walks by, and then a Samaritan walks by. When the priest and the Levite walk by, it says that they, they move to the other side of the road. They, they saw him. They saw the guy in his pain. They saw the guy in his problems, in his brokenness, but they, they didn't do anything about it. They, they pretended like they didn't see it. They, they had other bigger fish to fry, so to speak, and so they went on about their business. But the Samaritan got all up in the middle of it. He had compassion, because that's what compassion does, right? He got in the middle of it. Look what it says. Luke chapter 10, verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Everybody say compassion. compassion. He went to him. Notice he met him in the middle of his brokenness and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He met him in the middle of his pain, in the middle of his brokenness, and he began the process of restoring him. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. In this parable, Jesus points to a couple things. One, he, he points to the kind of attitude we need to have for broken people. That when we find broken people, our attitude is not, we'll just pretend like we didn't see it. We'll just, we got bigger fish to fry. We're busy. We don't have time for that. But that we would be moved with compassion to minister to them in the middle of their brokenness. But also he points to and foreshadows the work that Jesus is going to do on the cross to help those who are broken. See, Jesus is a picture of the Samaritan in this story. Jesus came to us in the middle of our brokenness. And he offers us healing and restoration. He wants to pick you up and he wants to heal you. He wants to bind up your wounds and begin this process of helping you to move ahead, to move forward with a future and a hope that only can be found in him. The thief in this story is a picture of Satan. The Bible says he's a thief. He the devil really is real. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And he's working to do that. But Jesus has compassion for you. Or maybe today you find yourself in a place where you feel broken. Maybe you feel broken relationally. Maybe you've had some relationships that have fallen apart. 
You've been divorced. You've had somebody turn their back on you. Someone that should have loved you didn't love you like they should. And, and you found that in this area of your life, you feel broken. Maybe you feel, you feel broken today physically in your body. Maybe you're dealing with sickness and disease. Maybe you're broken emotionally. Wherever you find yourself today, Jesus is moved with compassion to you in the middle of your brokenness. And he reaches out his hand to you today. And if you'll reach out and grab his, you can find balance and strength and direction and confidence. You don't have to live a life broken. You don't have to live a life hoping that the other shoe doesn't fall, hoping that you don't get hit again. You can live with freedom in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to heal the broken, and he has compassion for you. Here's number three. Jesus was and has moved with compassion for the runaway. The runaway. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the parable called the parable of the lost son. And in this story, there's this son, and he has everything he could ever want. The only thing he doesn't have is his independence, and that's the thing he wants. And so he goes to his father, who's been very good to him, and he asks for his inheritance. Now, this is a humongous slap in the face of his father. When he comes to his father and says he wants his inheritance, basically he's saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because I don't want you, I want what you can give me. And, and, and my best bet is that you would be dead, but since you're not dead, if you'll just give it to me, I can get out of here. I want nothing to do with you anymore. This was unheard of in the culture of Bible times. So his father gives him what he wants. He gives him his independence and he gives him his inheritance. And this guy takes it and he leaves. He bounces and gets out of there. The Bible says that he, he goes out and he spends his money on prodigal living, on foolish living. He spends his money on sex and drugs and rock and roll and all that stuff. To the point that he's got nothing left. To the point that he finds himself living in a pig pen, eating pig slop. Which just so you know, in the Hebrew culture, when Jesus made that statement to those people, there was probably an audible gasp from them. This was as bad as it could possibly be. And this son in that place finds himself thinking, well, maybe I can go home and I can be a servant of my father. I, I can't, obviously I can't go home and be his son again. There's no way he'd ever accept me after what I've done to him, after the way I've treated him and rejected him. But maybe I could go home and he would show enough grace to me that at least I could be his servant, I could be his slave. And so he begins this journey going home, not really knowing what he's gonna find when he gets home, but what he finds when he gets home is a loving father whose arms are open to him. Look at this, Luke 15, verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Here's what that tells me. His father was looking for him. He was waiting for his son to start turning and coming back. He was, he was watching the horizon, just waiting, hoping that his son would turn back to him. He saw him, and look at this. He was filled with compassion for him. Everybody say compassion. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. And it says that he, that he brings him home. He puts a robe on him. He sits him in the normal seat of, of, of sonship that he, that he deserves. Listen, I want you to know this morning, maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you've been a runaway. Maybe at one point in your life, you were close to God or maybe at one point in your life, you were doing the church thing, but, but you've gotten away from God and you know that you've been living a life that's running away from God. And maybe you even look at your life sometimes and you think the way I've lived my life spits in the face of God. 
I could never return to God. In fact, I, my, my parents tell a story when, when they first got saved. My mom, the night that she got saved, made Jesus the Lord of her life. She had this eye problem that caused her to have crossed eyes. And the night that she accepted Jesus, she prayed for healing and received healing. God healed her eyes. They went from being crossed to being whole. And so she's going home to my dad that night thinking, this is amazing. He's going to be blown away. He's going to accept Jesus just like me. And she tells him about it. And he said, no, I'm not interested. And later he, he tells the story that the reason he wasn't interested is because he didn't think that the father would accept him. He had gone to church as a kid, but at a point in his life, he, he began to walk away from God and was living a little bit of prodigal living. And he didn't think that God wanted him. One day he was driving down the road, and because my mom was a, was a woman of prayer and was praying over him, God began to speak to him. And God told him as he drove towards a liquor store one day that he loved him and he wanted to help him. And my father gave his life to Jesus, and everything changed for him. And listen, maybe you're there today where you feel like God would never accept me. You don't know what I've done, Pastor Josh. I've done some ugly stuff, I've done some bad stuff, I've done the worst possible stuff. It doesn't matter. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus did. The Bible says this in Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies, check this out, in your minds because of your evil behavior. Some of you, you think you're an enemy of God, but it's just all up in your head. It's not, God's not telling you that. The enemy's telling you that. You gotta get that way of thinking out of your head. God says he loves you and he wants to accept you and he wants to help you. And look, he can, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through his death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Here's what that means. That means that now because of Jesus, you can be free, you can be holy, you can stand before a holy God because what Jesus did on the cross, if you accept that, if you take his hand, the, the sin and the stuff that you think defines you doesn't define you. The cross can define you. The cross can be the final word and the final word is it is finished and you are forgiven if you reach out your hand and take the hand of God. The hand of compassion that brings stability and freedom and direction and confidence to your life. Jesus loves you and he has compassion for you today if you're a runaway. Here's number four. Jesus was in his move with compassion for the bound. For the bound. In Mark chapter five, Jesus crosses over the Sea of Galilee and lands on this, this, this area called Gerasene. And when he gets there, he's greeted by this man who goes by the loving moniker of the Gerasene demoniac. <laughs> and so here's what this means. He is a demon-possessed maniac from Gerasene. That's what his name means. And this guy is a mess. He is a picture of what bound looks like. When, when Jesus meets this guy, the Bible talks about how he's living in caves among the dead and he cuts himself and he's bound with chains and shackles and somehow supernaturally he's able to break those chains from time to time. I mean, this dude is an absolute mess. When Jesus meets him, he says, what's your name? And the guy says, my name is Legion for we are many. And when he says that, it's not the guy talking, it's the demon inside of this guy that represents all of the demons inside of this guy telling him who he is. And he says, we're Legion. A legion in Roman Empire was 5,000 soldiers. So he's saying, there's 5,000 demons up in this dude. This guy's a mess. And maybe you find yourself a little bit of a mess today. I doubt you got 5,000 demons. Can I get a name into that? But maybe you are bound by some stuff. Maybe you're bound by some sin. Maybe you're bound by some ways of thinking that lead to poverty and that lead to anger. 
and that lead to, to fear and depression. Maybe you're bound by sex, you're bound by alcohol, you're bound by drugs. The good news for you today is Jesus can set the captive free. Look at what Jesus does with this guy, verse 10. And he, he being the, the demon-possessed dude, begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus. Notice how they're like relating to Jesus in this moment. They, they recognize the authority of the God-man that stands in front of them, begging him to, to give them grace. Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. Verse 13, he gave them permission. Notice Jesus doesn't go, demons, come out of this guy. No, he doesn't even do that. He just says, all right, you got permission, get out. Like that's what he does. And the, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake where they drowned. Listen, I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know what's got you bound today. I doubt you've got 5,000 demons but even if you did, the power of a legion of demons, that influence trembles at the sight of the presence of God. And that's why the Bible says, if God is for you, then who can stand against you? And God wants to be for you and can be for you and reaches out his hand to you, the hand of compassion, so he can be for you. But you've got to reach out and take it. And when you take it, you find the strength of God to overcome the thing that's bound you. And you find the balance of God to live a balanced life and not fall into the same mistakes you keep falling into. And the leading of God and the confidence of God that can help you move forward. Jesus was and is compassionate for the hopeless. The love and compassion that Jesus has for you is greater than whatever you think may disqualify you from receiving it. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Jesus has compassion for the bound. Here's number five. Jesus was and is moved with compassion for the hopeless. The hopeless. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus is entering into this village. And as he gets there, he's greeted by this funeral procession. And we don't really see this so much today. But in other countries, sometimes this still goes on. And in Bible times, this is what would happen. When someone would die, they would walk them through the city on the way to burial and they would have this big parade kind of thing, except it was like a parade of sadness. And there were people mourning and crying and waving banners and banging things and, and making noise and just weeping and mourning. And Jesus comes on this scene, this parade of sadness. It says this in Luke chapter 7, verse 12. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. Remember that? And the large crowd from the village was with her. Okay, so this woman was in a place of utter hopelessness. Her situation was about as bad as it could be. She's already a widow. She's lost her husband. And now she's lost what the Bible says is her only son. This is a woman living in Bible times. You couldn't work. She couldn't, she couldn't have a job. She couldn't make money. So now, by losing her son... She's gonna lose everything. She's gonna lose her home. She's gonna to have to live the rest of her life hoping that people will, will have mercy on her and give her things. She's gonna to have to be a beggar. And what's left of her life is gonna be terrible. She is staring down the face of hopelessness. And Jesus finds her in that place. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her. Now, here's the thing. Nowhere in this verse does it say, when the Lord heard her whole story, he saw her. He just saw her and he knew everything about her. I want you to know today, 
The Lord sees you and he knows everything about you. And he sees you in the middle of what may feel hopeless to you today. And he's moved with compassion. Look at what it says. His heart overflowed with compassion. Somebody say compassion. compassion. He said, don't cry. She's got every reason to cry in the natural, doesn't she? Notice he begins to start ministering to her. Then he walked over to the coffin, touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. I wonder what he said. Like, I wonder what was the first thing that came out of his mouth. Like, whoa! I don't know. That's one of those, like, someday when I get to heaven, I'll be like, dude, what'd you say? Now look at this. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. What did he give back to his mother? Hope. He gave her hope. He gave her a future. He resurrected what felt hopeless and gave it back to her and gave her a future. You may feel hopeless today. Jesus wants to resurrect things. See, we serve a God of glorious resurrection. That's the MO of Jesus Christ. He resurrects those things that are dead. He calls those things that be not as though they were. What may feel dead to you, what may feel hopeless to you, Jesus can resurrect it and give it back to you. Give it back to you. You Maybe you're divorced today. Jesus can give you a new marriage. Maybe your future feels like you never can do. I I remember at one point in my life, I felt like the calling on my life was was lost. Jesus resurrected it. And I have a church. Like God has given me a church. This is amazing. There were years, 10 years ago, I I would have never dreamed that this could have happened. But God is a God of glorious resurrection. And he wants to resurrect those things that are dead in your life. Psalms 34 verse 18 says this, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. God's not seeing you in the middle of your brokenness, seeing you in the middle of your pain. He doesn't see you there and he's not walking on the other side of the road going, good luck with that. I pity you, fool. No, he's moved with compassion to get in the middle of your mess. It says at the end of that verse, and save such as have a contrite spirit. That word saves there means to liberate to a place of victory. That word contrite means those who are crushed like dust. Maybe you feel pulverized. Maybe your hopes feel pulverized today. Jesus wants to resurrect your hope and give you a life full of victory. And if you'll reach out, take the hand of compassion that is before you today. You can experience the balance of God, the confidence of God, the strength of God, the direction of God. It's there for the taking. Jesus looks at you today just like he looked at those crowds and he's moved with compassion for you, wherever you find yourself. That day when Jesus looked at those crowds, I believe that he saw you and he saw me. And he saw me in the moments of my life when I was, felt like an outcast. He saw me in the moments of my life where I was broken. He saw me in the moments of my life where I was a runaway, when I turned my face on the cross and spit in the face of it. He saw me in the moments where I was bound and he had compassion on me and he has compassion for you today. And if you'll reach out and take his hand, everything he is becomes everything you have and it's more than enough. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never reached out to receive and take hold of the hand of compassion. I want to offer you that hand today. Maybe you're here today and and you would fall into that category of the runaway. You at one point were close to God, but you've 
turned your back on God and you haven't been living for the Lord and you say, you could look at yourself today and you say, I'm far from God, but if you'll just turn, the arms of the Father are wide open to you. He's looking for you. He's waiting for you. Wherever you find yourself today, He loves you. He has compassion for you. He wants to get in the middle of your mess. He wants to get all up in your business. He wants to heal you and bring freedom to you. And so today, if that's you and you would like to receive of, of the new life that comes with knowing Jesus Christ or you want to dedicate yourself to Jesus today, I want to help you with that. The Bible says that if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe it in your heart, then you will be saved. And this incredible work takes place inside of you where your, your old nature, your old sin, all that stuff, the dead works of your life, all goes away and God gives you a brand new spirit. You're born again. You receive new life in Christ Jesus. So if that's you today, it's real simple. You just pray a simple prayer with me, believe it in your heart, and you'll begin to start this process of entering into the fullness of life that Jesus has for you. So if that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm gonna pray a prayer, and I want you to just, just quote after me. Say what I say, all right? And church, since we're all in agreement, let's all say this together. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I believe that he was raised to life so I could be raised to new life in him. Lord, I give you my all. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I make you my Lord. I make you my savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's give those a hand and pray that prayer today. So awesome. What's pretty cool is if you prayed that prayer today to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're born again. That means today's your birthday. So guess what? You get to share a birthday with New Song Church. That's pretty cool. So I want to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. And if you're here today and you have a prayer need of any kind, Maybe you're dealing with sickness in your body. Maybe you're dealing with a mind battle of some kind. Maybe you're, you're, you're praying and believing God for something. You just want somebody to join their faith with yours. We believe in what the Bible talks about of praying with other people, that there's, there's power that comes from agreement with others in prayer. And so we'd love to pray for you today. If it matters to you, it matters to God. And it doesn't matter how big it may be. It doesn't matter how small it may be. Because here's the thing. Everything is small to God, okay? Your headache and cancer are the same size to an almighty God. It doesn't matter. So whatever you're dealing with today, don't leave with a burden. We would love to pray for you today. We'd love to join our faith with yours. And there's power released when we pray together like that. So they'll be down here if you have a prayer need of any kind. Now also, if you're here today and you prayed that prayer to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to do something before you leave today. I want you to just let one of these guys know. Just come down and all you have to say is, I prayed that prayer with Pastor Josh and I really meant it. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you a book that's going to help you to take the next steps that you need to take to, to walk out your salvation. God's given you a brand new spirit, but we want to help you renew your mind and, get, and overcome your flesh so you can walk in the fullness of everything that Jesus Christ has purchased for you. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could just go to heaven. He came and died on the cross so you could live in heaven on earth. And so we want to help you with that. So if you pray that prayer today, don't leave without picking up this book. Church, would you stand with me this morning? We're going to go back into one more song of worship. And I want to encourage you. We serve a God of compassion. Amen? Amen. 
Jesus was moved with compassion for you, and I think that's worth worshiping over. So one more time before we leave today, let's just worship the Lord. And, and if you have a prayer need at any time, you can come down at this time. But if not, let's just worship God. Lord, we thank you. We're grateful that you were moved with compassion for us, that you saw us. Church, pray with me this morning. Let's worship God. Tell Jesus how much you love him. Tell him how much he means to you. Lord, thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. You took our punishment. You took what we deserve so that we could be free. God, we're grateful. Thank you that you were moved with compassion so we can now be moved with compassion for the world to make a difference. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And I pray if there's anyone in this room who has a prayer need of any kind, that they would step out in faith to receive what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.